Okay, so last week we were talking about Baruch Sha'amar Vahayaholam, that um, the first part, the sort of a, the prequel to the bracha of Baruch Sha'amar, sort of like stammering out, except it's not stammered, but before we can even say Baruch Hashem over here, is first 10 levels of saying Hashem is Baruch without even a name, meaning how do we know who Hashem is? He reveals himself to us through creation and through his acts in the world. And this is the principle of Bereshus Bara Elohim, that first the Torah tells us Hashem created, then it tells us the name Elohim. And in general, whenever Hashem interacts with us, there's a name given, and there are many different names that Hashem gives us through the Torah. And the name tells us how we are to see or relate to how he is acting toward us and revealing himself to us through his deeds. This is Koch Masav Higid He tells through the, us of his presence through the power of his actions. And that is described exactly in Baruch Amar, which not only that, it's 10 expressions of Baruch corresponding to Ba'asara Ma'amaros Nevra Ha'olam, that the world itself was created with 10 statements. So this is corresponding and saying there are 10 statements in creation and there are 10 Baruchs describing that Hashem is revealing himself to us in these 10 layers of creation. Okay, so now... We're going to start with this phrase, which is, this first one is, Baruch She'omar Olam. Hashem, blessed is he who spoke, and the world was, or, and the world became. Okay, so the first thing that we know is that Hashem spoke and the world was created. In other words, Hashem's creation of the world, which is a beginning of a physical interaction, of physical existence at all, is through speech. And there is a kind of, um, well, we come back to that. And Hashem reveals himself that way in saying to Moshe, Ani Hashem, which the Mechilta explains, Hashem said to Moshe, Ani Marti Ha'olam. I am the one who said, and the world was. Gemara and Shabbos uses this kind of language. It all is revealed and known before the one who spoke and the world was which is based on a puzzle to Hillam, ki hu amar vayehi, that Hashem said, and it was. Right? Now, it, it works both ways. Ki hu amar vayehi, meaning he said vayehi, like vayehi or vayehi rakia. Okay? So one is that right. what he said is vayehi, and one is hu amar vayehi. It's, it's actually vayehi, vayehi with a segel. Because the end of a sentence, in other words, what did he say? What he said is, Vayehi, and it was that way. Like, whatever he said, that's how it was. Vayichain, right? It, and it was so. Now, there's a, 
there's a, it's a bracious rabba, so it's a medrash. Rashi quotes it. It'd be nice to see it in the Rashi, really. Let's see. I think it's the beginning of Pericles. So there's a pasuk near the beginning of Perak Bay's Embracious. Once we get to the end of the seven days of creation, meaning we have Vayichulu Hashemayim V'Ha'aretz, right, on the seventh day, the earth, it's the Kiddush, the earth and the heavens were finished, Vayichalu Kim Vayom Ashri Malachto Asher Asav, Vayishbaz Vayom Ashri Mikom Malachto Asher Asav, Vayivarach Lokim Vayom Ashri, Vayikadish Asav, Kivo Shavas Mikom Malachto Asher Barah Lokim Lasas. The next statement is, Ela soldos hashemayim ve'aretz. These are the generations, meaning this is what is born of the heavens and the earth. This is the rest of the Torah. Now I told you, Hashem created the heavens and the earth. And I'm going to tell you where that went. Okay. Okay? That's the rest of the Torah. Here's where it went. Yeah. Behibaram. In their having been created. Beyom asos Hashem elokim eretz v'shemayim. In the day that God formed, made the heavens and the earth. And then it, it describes the creation of man. The vegetation had not yet sprouted, and it had not sprouted because Hashem hadn't sent rain, because there was no man to work the earth, and there was just a mist that was keeping everything moist, so Hashem formed the man from the dust of the earth and blew into his nostrils. Okay? And everything kind of was, like, dusty or whatever. It wasn't only... Well, there was this mist, so it might not have been actually but nothing really grew but it hadn't actually sprouted out from over the surface of the earth and when it sprouted out it was like that first um, everything was like like you had fruit and things how long i don't know i don't know i don't know how long it took that's a good question it doesn't have to take any particular amount of time but Mm -hmm. i don't know okay so when it says these are the these are the generations like these this is what is generated by the heavens and the earth the hibaram so you see that that hay is small, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's a bunch of things about that. It's, it's like a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful spot. It's kind of describing now the earth as it plays out. My goodness. It's like flying yeah, things. There's, little <laughs> there's a fruit, fruit fly, fly. And a regular yeah. fly. Okay. They're also interested. This is where they come from also, you know. Okay. <laughs> All right, so one way the Medrash tells us to read Behibar Am, like what are we supposed to take from the fact that this hay is small? So one thing it does is it causes us to read it like this. Here's what Rashi says. Davar another explanation. Behibar Am, Behay Bira'am. With a hay, they were created. Behay Bira'am. Okay, God created them with a hay. And we are reminded of that when we look at the word and read it. By having it broken up that way, it causes us to read it this like that. What does it mean with a hay they were created? But then you would think it would be a larger hay or something. It uh, could have been, but a small hay accomplishes the same thing. <laughs> okay. There's, there's other explanations over here that are amazing. If you scramble Behibaram, you get Avraham with mm. Avraham. Because when Avraham began to teach Torah to others, you have a mm. new beginning of creation. It's considered like a new... A new cycle of creation starts over there. 
Okay, but that's that's not the point we're heading to here. Shanamar, as the verse says, Beko Hashem Tzor Olamim. Ki Beko Hashem Tzor Olamim. With Ko Hashem... Okay, so the, the normal translation of that fragment is Beko Hashem Tzor Olamim. Sorry. Bless you. Thank you. That it is in Ko Hashem, which are two names of God. Ko is a short name of Yud, Hei, Vav, and Hei. It's just the Yud and the Hei. Mm-hmm. He is the rock of all of the universe. Right? That we rely on Hashem. You can trust in Hashem, rely on Him forever and ever because He's the rock. He's, he's the one you can lean on and know He'll always be there for you. But Rashi is telling us in the name of the Medrash, we're going to read it like a drush, like reading into it a little bit differently. With Yud and Hey. That's the name, right? Ka, Yud, Hey. Mm-hmm. Hashem Tzor Olamim. God Tzor, like Yatsar, formed Olamim, worlds. With Yud and Hey, God formed worlds. Beveis Osios Halalu. With these two letters, Shal Hashem, of his name, Yatsar Shnei Olamim. He created worlds, plural, two worlds. Now that's a different way of reading it. <laughs> okay. Vilamedra, yeah. this teaches you, Khan, over here, Shahaolam Hazet, Nivra So from the first Pasuk, what do you know? You know that Hashem created two worlds and he created them with a Yod and a He. This Pasuk tells you, Ela told us Hashemaim Vihaaretz Behebiraam, with a He he created them, that the He is used to create these physical worlds. You hear? This, this is like a drush and a drush. Yeah, here, say that, that again. This, this physical world, which includes the Shemaim of the physical creation. What are we hearing? <coughs> a lot of here? little girls upstairs, maybe. Is that upstairs? It can happen. Usually this room is very quiet because upstairs Wait, are administrative offices. Oh. We are underneath the teacher's up. lounge. Oh, really? Is it next door? What's next door? Or a tantrum next door. Somebody's Serious tantrum you. next door. That's not crying. That's it like... like laughing and something now. Or crying together. I have no idea. Okay, sorry. What know? was it again? Okay. The physical... I'm sorry. The physical world is created with a hey. Okay. In other words, the spiritual world is created with a yud. Oh. And the physical world was created with a hey. Ki beko Hashem tzor alamim. With yud and hey, God formed... The world. Okay? And there, this is a hint, Remez. Kimo shehei psucha lamata. Just like a hay is open from below. Kacha olam pasuach lashovim bitshuva. Also, the world is open for those who wish to return in shuva. Now, a hay is actually open in two places. You can fall out the bottom, you can climb in the top. Rav Leichter has a wonderful explanation of that. He says, when we do tshuva, it's not that we go back the way we, lo- we hmm. fell out. We have to come back through a different opening. We have to find a different way around. I like that. Yeah, it's amazing. The Ha'olam Haba and the next world, meaning the spiritual world, Nivra B'yud, was created with a Yud. Lomar Shatzadikim Shavosazman Muatim Kmo Yud Shiktan Baosios. And the yud, and the yud was used to create the spiritual world. This, by the way, is a principle, meaning it's not made up from here. It's it's 
it's not even hinted, it's a pretty strong hint in this Pasuk of something that is known through the Mesorah anyway, which is that Hashem created the world with a Yud and a He. This world was created with He. Okay, so this is this concept, Baruch She'amar V'haya Ha'olam. God spoke and the world was. What is it about the letter He? The letter He, well, first of all, the letter He is the softest letter to speak. Good morning. Right? Mm. So if you take all the different letters that there are, He is really just a breath, a little bit stronger breath. That's a He. It's enough. Okay? <laughs> so one thing that that tells us is that it's effortless. Meaning, it's not describing that Hashem created the world with effort. Hashem created the world in a way that is effortless. Hey is not just the most effortless sound for a person to make. Hey is the most effortless action for a person to take. Because what is an action? Action means you take something from your machshava, from your thought, and you turn it into something that is, that is accomplished through the body. You activate the body to do something that corresponds to the thought. So that translation from thought into action, the slightest of those is considered speech, and the slightest speech is considered the letter hey, the sound of the hey. Mm. So when you talk about the letter hey, what you're saying is the very least effortful form of action that is action. Okay? Speech is action. So sometimes we say, like, put your money where your mouth is, right? Like, it's not enough to just talk, you got to do. It's also true, okay? But it's important to realize that when you turn something into speech, when we say that it might not be enough sometimes to speak, you have to act, that's because by speaking you have acted, and then you can feel like you've already done what you need to do, right? That's the danger. The danger is that speaking is easier than other kinds of actions, and you could think, now that I've spoken, I've done my share, okay? That's the danger. But on the flip side, sometimes, first of all, speech can be the most powerful way that a person can act. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, sometimes you don't have an action that you could take that you're aware of. Okay, we get the opposite. We hear that somebody's sick. What can we do? So if they're close to us, maybe we can visit them or encourage them or help their family or help with food or take care of the kids or, right, give them a call, leave a message, something. But what if it's not somebody we know? What if it's not somebody in this part of the world? What if it's somebody who's being well taken care of, right? And then we're just like, nothing I can do, right? So we have to remember that speech is also action. So if I can speak, if I can either speak up about it, if I can dove it, I'll say a parak of Tehillim for this person. I'll say a very short parak of Tehillim for this person. Okay? I have done something. It is an action. Okay? The only risk is making sure was that the right action <laughs> that was required of you. But it's an action. Okay. So hey, as the smallest form of action, or at least the least effortless, the, the least effortful form of action, so that's one message that we have, is that it wasn't difficult for Hashem to create the world. 
It's a turning of the machshava into ma'isa. That's what creation of the world is. When it's Hashem's machshava, when it's Hashem's will turning into ma'isa, that's creation. Okay, that's the closest we can get to creating. Only we don't create something from nothing. He creates something from nothing. Literally comes from his ratzon and becomes something where it wasn't before. The Maharal says, this world is made with a hay. What's the quality of a hay? So if you think about a hay, it's made of a dalid and a yud. The little leg there is a yud, and the leg over is a dalid. It helps if you look in like a chumet. Well, this is just an ordinary chumash, but... That's how you make a hay. A sofer makes a hay. What does he do? He writes a dalid, and then he puts a yud at the bottom in the leg. I you said a lamed. Oh, I'm sorry. A dalid. I might have said lamed. No, you didn't. Okay. You did? Or no? No? I don't know what. Either way. Either way, it's a dalid. Whatever I said. Whatever I said. That was so weird. I was like picturing a lamed. Yes. A lot of that work. Yes. A very bent. You break off the top. Okay. Okay. So what is a yud? So we already said the next world is created with a yud. The spiritual world is created with a yud. So yud, in the same way that hay represents physical, the turning into physical of thought, in the very, that's the borderline. Like at that point, we start defining it as you turned it into something physical. Yud represents that which is spiritual. Okay, so it's very, very tiny because I remember we were talking about how we can't relate to that which is purely spiritual, right? Barashas Barilokim, Hashem reveals himself to us through his physical revelation, through his actions in the world. So the Yud then, which is a physical expression of the spiritual, is very, very tiny because we want to say like the, the physicality of it that's embodied in that shape, that's like very, very little. Oh, sorry. sorry. Right? That's not the main thing of it. What you see of it here is just the tip. <laughs> the yud itself is just a tip. That's all it is. There's like no body to the letter. It's all tip. Right? So there's just this little tip. There's something much greater behind it, but all we see is this little tip. So what you have is this little yud. Right? The name of God is often written yud with yud. Okay, it's the ultimate physical word that expresses the ultimate spiritual reality. So then the yuds are used. Okay. So the Maharal says what you have in the hay is you have a yud, which is a spiritual reality, and then it's bounded by a dalid. So the dalid, like the Maharal, has a whole, I'm not sure, what's the word? Like a whole approach to numbers and letters. And it's consistent, and he used it throughout. Rav Hirsch also bases, I guess, presumably on the Maharal. Uh, more than presumably. I mean, occasionally you can come across exactly, and you can say, oh, okay, that's where it came from. Okay, so what's Dalid? Dalid is four. So whenever we have four, we have Arba Kanfos. So a person wears, right, Al Kanfei Vigdehem, you put this on the four corners. How's the Maharal going to explain that? Well, four corners represents the bounding of the physical space. Okay, it's like when you create an axis, what do you have? You have up, down, right, and left. <clears throat> That's how you describe a space. So the definition of a space, meaning a physical space now, it has a limitation. The world that is finite is the number four. That's always four. So with tzitzis, what do you have? You wear a garment with four corners. If you wear a garment with four corners, then you add tzitzis, it's like the word tzitz which means to sprout, 
like an atzitz is a, a little tree sapling, okay? Tzitz means to sprout. So, and even the letter tzaddik, like, looks like it's sprouting, right? Whether it's the bent one or the straight one, it's this, I mean, that's what it means. That's actually what it means. Tzaddik katomar yifrach. Tzaddik, the letter tzaddik, a tzaddik person, right? Katomar yifrach sprouts up like a, like a palm, right? Like it'll, mm-hmm. that's, that's what tzaddik is about, okay? So the letter tzaddik, tzitz, means to sprout out. So what do you do? You have to tie it inside within the borders of the, this limitation, this finite space of the four-cornered garment, and it sprouts out. That's exactly what it does. And when you look at that, what do you remember? Mm-hmm. You remember the mitzvahs. You remember there's a higher world. There is a place that extends beyond this place. There are deeds that we do that extend beyond the space that we're in. The limitations are only physical limitations, and that which is tapped into the spiritual then extends beyond it, extends beyond the limitations. So again, coming back to the Maharal, he's going to say, so there's a Dalid that is now bounding the Yud. That's the creation of the physical world. It is the giving of a finite space, a boundary, to that which is really a spiritual reality. That, the letter He itself shows you what the creation of the world is. Okay. So Rav Schwab says like this. Blessed is he who spoke, and the world was. Which is based on that pasuk, he spoke, and it was. Roshwab says, you have to realize what this means. It's not just that when Hashem speaks, that's how he created, like through his speech he created the world. No, it's only through his speech that the world is created and exists. What's the difference? <laughs> there is no existence outside of God speaking it. There is nothing else beside that. Everything that there is, everything that exists, is an ongoing process of Hashem's speech. In other words, Hashem's willing it to be so and allowing that will to become materialized and turn into that which is physical. Because that's what the speech is. Okay, that's what it means, Baruch Shamar Vayalam. That's what it means, Vayomer Elokim Yehi Or, Vayhi Or. God said there should be light, and there was light. There is no other existence outside of that. It's not like God said there was light, and there was light, and there were other times when, like, there was light also that just wasn't connected to that. No. Everything in creation, Ba'asara Ma'amaros Never Ha'olam, with ten statements, with ten acts of speech, God created the world. It is only with that. It is the cause so vayahi is a conjugation, or even over here is even a better example, vehaya. Vehaya is a scrambled version of the letters of yud, he, vav, and he. Right? Existence, the word for existence, the conjugations of existence, haya, hove, yihyeh. All of this is expressed together as God's constant and infinite existence, then limited down into one dimension of time or another, haya, hove, yihyeh that flow of time. Okay, so we have this concept that the beginning of creation then, this first statement of Baruch, 
Baruch Shamar Vahaya Olam, which is ten statements of Hashem revealing himself to us through the unfolding of creation, which corresponds to the ten statements with which the world is created. What's the first statement with which the world is created? So it's a little bit tricky to answer that. I once counted them out, but I didn't, I say I didn't write it down. Um, so I didn't do it again. Wait, what was your question? What? Was what the is first the first statement of creation? By you would think so, right? So if we if we would read through the whole chapter, so we have Vayomer Elokim Yehior, Vayomer Elokim Yehirakia, Vayomer Elokim Yikavu Hamayim Mitachas Hashemayim Al Makom Echod, Vayomer Elokim Tad Shehaaretz Desha Esav, Vayomer Elokim Yehima Oras Berakia Hashemayim. I can't tell if I'm hot or cold. A minute ago, it was very cool. Now I, know. Is, I don't know if it's a mirror that somebody playing with the yeah. air conditioning in the other room. Okay. Vayomer Elokim Yishritzu Hamayim Sheretz Nefesh Chayo. Oh, no, I'm okay. Thank you. I'm not thirsty. There's a lay more here. I, I, again, I didn't count it again. Vayomer lekim totzei haaretz nefesh chaya lemina behema beremes v'chaisa aretz. Vayomer lekim nasa adam betzalmenu kidmusenu. Vayomer lehem pruvu or vayomer hinesat. There's a, there's a, a couple options here for the last vayomer, and then all of a sudden you run out. You basically have nine. There are nine. Chazal say there's nine statements of vayomer. They say on the one hand, with ten statements he created the world. And on the other hand, there's nine statements of Vayomer. So how do, you, how do you understand that Chazal are telling you both, right? Why are they saying that both? And they're saying that both because the beginning was Bereshis bar Elohim v'sashamayim v'sa'aretz. Meaning, for there to be the word spoken, that's the turning of the machshava into the maisa, so to speak, from God's point of view. The first act of creation was the ability that it was sometimes called capitalistically the tzimtzum, right? The space to be left for there to be a limitation of the infinite in order that creation should take place within that, within that limited or <coughs> bounded area. Okay, that's the concept of kihu amar vayehi. He spoke and it was, meaning just the fact of wasness, the creation of time, of a linear progression of one thing following another, there being a concept of sequence. We can't imagine what life would be outside of that. The fundamental structure that was built and created, the, the act of creation that predates any physical reality that we could see was the creation of time, which itself is a physical construct that God created. And that's expressed in Beratius at first. What is, well, first, first means it's followed by something. Even the word Beratius itself, right? It doesn't say Barishona, but even Barishona would tell you that. Beratius means it's the beginning of something. Okay, the idea of firstness comes before all the other parts of creation that are built into the fact of time. Okay, that firstness, that aspect that there is a stream of time is the beginning of creation of the finite world. Okay, finite meaning that which is imperfect, which also means that which can change. Because that which is infinite does not change. 
If it's infinite, it doesn't change because whatever it is is all there already all the time. So the fact that things progress in a line in time by itself is the beginning of the concept of creation of the physical universe. Okay? That's Baruch Sha'amar Vehaya Ha'olam, and the world was. It exists now in the state of Haya, Hoveyi, it was, is, will be. Okay. This is the beginning of an unfolding of 10 stages of creation. Chazal say, why was the world created in 10 steps? I really want to make another point first, but that's okay. Why was the world created in 10 steps? So this is a mission in Avos. Okay, a little bit jumping ahead here. When I brought the Mishnah. In fact, I'm sure I did. Here we go. Maros Nivra With ten statements, the world was created. Uma Talmud Lomar. What is the Torah coming to tell us this for? Okay, the Rambam has a principle that every single thing in the Torah is there either to teach us Yerushalayim or to teach us Avas Hashem. To teach us what was the first one? Yerushalayim oh, or Avas Hashem. Okay, now we're going to talk about, and I think that maybe won't come out this week, maybe next week, about that has to play out into our actions, that has to be reflected in our deeds. But that's why something's in the Torah. If it's there, okay, last week my Parsha share was, why do we have all this detail about the war between the four kings and the five kings? Mm-hmm. You ever wonder that? I mean, yes. the only reason we don't spend more time wondering about that in that Parsha is because there's so much else to focus on. I'm always wondering that. <laughs> but that Parsha is so jam-packed, <laughs> right? I listen to so many sharing. Parsha's Lech Lecha is totally packed with fundamental roots of Jewish existence forever. And then we have like, there were four kings, and here's their names, and there were five kings, and here's their names. And this was their political disagreement, and this was how they fought, and this is how long these were subjected to those. And then they had a war, and then they ran away, and then they fell into a lime pit, and then they came out of the lime. It's like, tell me they had a war, and Avram went. Like, what's, <laughs> what is all the know. detail about? Okay, so uh, that's not our Torah for today, but it's been driving me crazy for years. So can't say I have the whole answer, but at least I found an approach. I'm right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe after Shir, <laughs> we could try and reconstruct some of it. Okay, what's the question Chazal are asking here? It's an obvious question once you understand that while the Torah is historically true, Hashem only put into the Torah that part of our history that is relevant for us that can teach us Yerushalayim or Abbas Hashem. If it's not there, then it isn't going to serve that purpose. And if it is there, it does. So if I don't see it, it means I missed it. All right. So Chazal is saying, it makes a very long chapter. It could have said, And that's all. How, like, why do I need to know the rest? And why, why does the Torah describe that Hashem created the world in 10 statements when God could have created it in one? What does the 10 mean? What, what, why in pieces? Why in steps? But you know, the, possibly the more powerful thing to understand here is the question. 
Chazal take for granted that you have to ask a question like that. Why would the Torah add on? Why would the Torah tell us more than it has to tell us? Okay, now you could say, well, because Hashem really did create it in 10 steps. That's great, but why do I need to know that? From my point of view, is the world different because it's 10 steps or one step of creation? I'm not really sure. I, personally, like, we don't even come along until the next parak. Like, <laughs> it's definitely more visual when you hear all the steps. You could break it down into pieces Concepts. that you could yeah, visualize yeah, a little yeah, more. Like yeah. when you teach it. Right, except for the first step. But there anyway, you're lost. So like whether it was all included in that one or not, right? Mm-hmm. But that's true, okay? I like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, meaning, one thing, and, and even so, since he could create it, even if we're saying, okay, well, the Torah is telling us how it really was. So why did Hashem do it in 10 steps? It, 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 to some degree, he did it in order that the Torah should say that he did it in 10 steps because he could have done however he chose to, which could have been one. The question itself is a powerful lesson mm-hmm. because this is really how we look at the world. This is what Baruch Shama is telling us. How do we look at the world? When we see God's creation in the world, what are we thinking about it? What we're thinking about it is, what is he telling me? How does this change me? Because if it's not changing me, I missed something. Yeah? Mm-hmm. If it's not changing me, I missed something. That's how we look at everything that's around us. Okay? Now, we're only limited in our capacity, but certain things jump out. <laughs> Some things, they, they jump out because they're unexpected, they're strange, they're very big, they're very small, they're very powerful, they're very weak. Whatever it is, they hurt, they feel good. If it caught our attention, really what we're meant to say is, it's telling me something. And if I didn't get a message out of it, if I didn't get a reinforcement out of it in a direction I need to grow, then I missed it. And that's how we see everything. Okay, I'm not going to talk about their answer yet. We'll get there. But that's, it's, a very, it's a puzzling answer, which is, of course, the most informative of them all, because then you've got to work on it. Okay. The Rosh says, So how come all brachos are written? This is a real throwback to the beginning of brachos. Brachos are written like this. Baruch atah, blessed are you. That means nochach, in what we would call second person group grammatically, but nochach is a much more dramatic word in Hebrew, because nochach means directly facing. Second person. Just by calling it second person, you've created a distance, right? So, it's for, the beginning of every bracha is in nochach. It's in directly facing. It's like, I'm looking straight there, and I'm aware that God is present. Baruch ato Hashem. So we could say that is an infinite name. Elokeinu our Lord, Melech HaOlam, the King of the Universe, Asher Kedushanu, it all moves into what's called the Nistar. So in English, that would be grammatically called third person. He is the King of the Universe, and he has sanctified us with his mitzvahs, or whatever the, myth, whatever the bracha is. Right? So we move, but it's, of course, again, more evocative in Hebrew. Nistar means hidden, versus nochach, which is directly facing. <laughs> so we move from thinking about Hashem or describing describing this connection because a bracha, right, is connecting something we see in the physical world with its spiritual source. It says, why does every bracha, why is, was it written by Chazal and established, formulated 
to start with Nochach, Baruch Atah, and then end with Lashon Nistar, with a, a hidden, as if uh, he's not directly there. Mipnei shahabori yisbarach, because the Creator, may he be blessed. Nigleh mitzad peulosav, is revealed to us by virtue of his deeds. Venistar mitzad asmuso, and is hidden from us by virtue of his essence. We relate to God in exactly this way. It's a blend of revealed hidden, revealed hidden, right? We've said in the past, that's the word olam right there. Baruch she'amar v'haya ha'olam. So the world itself is, it, did you ever have when you were little, they used to give it out of parties, it's probably totally toxic. I haven't seen it in years. It was this bubble thing. It was, was like a little tube of gluey, like tie-dye stuff. Like a straw. Right, with a little thin straw, and you were supposed to blow a bubble. Mine didn't usually work. And if you blew it, and you could blow it slowly enough, then it would, like, kind of harden. Okay. So the world... (laughs) Okay. The world is this hay of creation that, like, sort of hardens there, and we can see it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like it allows us to see. It's this physical bounded thing, but it gives us a kind of an impression that shows what was there, like a, like a, almost like a mold. You know, like you can see now that the creation w- is there, that the creator is there by the fact that there's an olam. She'amar v'haya ha'olam. He said it, and then the world is there as this imprint of God's speech. So he's revealed to us through the fact that there's an olam, and yet the word olam is ne'elam. It means hidden. Because if you're just looking at the bubble, and that's kind of where you're focused on, then you don't see that which was invisible, right? By looking at that which is visible, that can hide the fact that there was an invisible force behind it. And yet, how would you know of the existence of the invisible force? Only by virtue of the fact that there's something visible that you can tangibly absorb with your senses. Okay, so the, the olam itself is both hiding and revealing. And since in a bracha, what are we doing? We're looking at that which is in the physical world and tying it back to its spiritual source. That, that's the world. <laughs> this is how we relate to the world. We look at the world and we relate it back to Hashem. But that is going to be this blend of nochach and nistar. Because... Mitzad Echad, on the one hand, he is revealed to us through his deeds. Mitzad Sheni, on the other hand, his existence and the fact that he is there and what he's like, that's totally hidden from us. Therefore, we begin, says Abu Dharam, having quoted the Rashba, we begin with Vehaya Ha'olam. First thing we say about God, Baruch She'amar Vehaya Ha'olam, Sheniye Olam Asher Al Yado. God spoke and the world was. What does it mean that the world was? Hashem made the world as the tool, the means, the channel through which he reveals himself. It, this is the container into which all his actions now become shown. I so you think of this image. Do you ever see like in the, in the neonatal ICU, they have the... Um, like the closed bassinets, right, for the real early preemies. And some of those preemies, they don't want, you know, to try and keep the germs out because their immune system is not fully formed. 
So in order to touch them and to manage them, I mean, now they're into taking them out also, but in between, so you've got the gloves, right? So the gloves are built into the wall of the, ice, of the incubator. So you stick your hands in. So the hands are essentially an invisible force from the inside of the incubator, but the gloves in their movements and their actions allow the hands to then act on the baby in this space. So this is kind of God creating the world as this space within which he will reveal himself through his actions. That's what the universe is. That's olam. When we say that a person is recognized through his actions, Hashem is recognized through his actions. All right. Baruch Hu, blessed is he. Okay, so Baruch Hu, Afal, Hu he's hidden from us. <laughs> I mean, he just, he is. Baruch Hu. He is Baruch. The Tzalusa de Avram says this is a shorthand. Baruch Hu is short for Baruch Hu Baruch Shmo. Or Baruch HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I mean, Baruch Hu. He is blessed. Reverse translates it like this. He says, which I thought was fascinating. Blessed be he who still exists today. Like, where'd that come from? In other words, blessed is he, meaning just his existence. That's Baruch. Baruch who? That he, he is. Because despite the fact that in that first statement of creation is the creation of time, that racious, right? First... <laughs> That's the first word, is first. Because there's no concept of first before that. Because there's no time before that. So we need to know Baruch Hu. He was, he is, he always will be. What we're doing is we're dancing around the concept of Yod Hey, Vav and Hey, of Hashem being described as some kind of combination of infinity, of Hayahove Yihia, all in one. And even that we can't get. So this is what Baruch Hu is like. He, he is like he, he started it off then and he still is that now like this is a reminder to us and that's this whole ten stages is all an expression of yud Hey and vav and Hey. okay getting late Rav Schwab maybe ratchets it down one level he says Hashem continually keeps going what exists in existence this is the concept of ongoing creation Hashem who renews in his goodness every day constantly the Maisa Barashas. And that's really where this will transition to. Baruch She'omar Vahaya Ha'olam, Baruch Hu Baruch He makes Barashas. Not She'omar, he said it. Ose, it's present tense. He is making creation. Okay? So that, in the, he is making creation that constant and continuing act of creation, that is where we're going to then pick up in Mitzvah Shem next week and talk about how that helps us understand the 10 steps of creation, God creating the world in 10 steps, this constant act of creation. Okay, so Mitzvah Shem next week.